Uh, welcome to part three of Sticks and Stones. We've talked about complaining, we've talked about being overly critical, and this morning as we look at the effect of our words, we're going to look at whether or not we speak the truth. Uh, I found a study this week that said the majority of people tell four lies a day. Uh, another study from the University of Massachusetts said when someone meets someone new, 60% of people cannot have a conversation that lasts 10 minutes without telling a lie. 60%. Here's my take on that. This is my opinion. It wasn't in the study. I don't think that that 60% of people that can't go 10 minutes when they meet someone new, it, I don't think they're setting out to deceive or do something evil or manipulate. I think meeting someone new is an awkward social situation. People are trying to connect and relate, and in the moment, they say something that's not 100% true, trying to make a relational connection. But my point is this. If the average person lies four times a day, plotting evil may not be the intent behind every single one of those lies. Not everyone is having an affair and lying to try to cover it up. Not everyone is addicted to something and lying about having a problem. But I think most people would still agree that lying is still a problem. It's still wrong. It made like God's top 10 list, right? The, the great commandments, the 10 commandments, don't lie, don't bear false testimony. Even if you're just trying to connect with someone, a lie is still a lie and you're connecting about something that's a falsehood. I think a better approach would be to have more confidence in who you are in Christ. And we should all trust that God, the, the way that he created us, who he made us to be, will be a blessing to other people. And I hope you know that that's true of you. God created you. He loves you. He put his spirit within you. And who you are as a person is a blessing to other people people. Scripture is clear that God never lies. There is no falsehood in him at all. Not in what he says, not in what he thinks, not in what he does. Proverbs 12.22 tells us how God kind of feels about lying. It says, the Lord detests lying lips but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Uh, that word that that verse uses, detests, literally means to make God nauseous. Uh, lying literally makes God sick to his stomach. Paul said in Ephesians 4, 20-24, That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ, and we're taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new 
in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. God does, in fact, as Morgan said this morning, change us. We can leave here different than what we were when we came in. And he changes us from the inside out. And we reflect him in who there is no falsehood, not in what he says, not in what he does, not in what he thinks. And our old self fades away with the deceitful desires we used to have. Now, those desires are described as deceitful because those desires promised something they could not deliver. They were a lie. Now, in Christ, we pursue Jesus, and he brings a new set of desires, new attitudes that are true and lead to holiness, like God's character and fulfillment. Paul goes on to say uh, in the verse after the ones we just read in verse 25, he says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. We're in this together. We're family. Those new desires lead to new living and new thinking. Once you see who God is clearly, once you experience his love for you, you see everything with new eyes. You see yourself different. You see other people differently. Have you ever seen on either YouTube or Facebook uh, the people who were born colorblind and they now have a set of glasses that they can put on that allows them to see color. If you, if you haven't seen those videos, uh, that's your homework assignment. Now uh, to go home and like Google, Google, uh, seeing with new glasses that once were colorblind. But these people put these glasses on and they are absolutely amazed. They literally start crying once they see the world as it was created to be seen. Once we put on Jesus and his love, we see things totally different. Seeing the truth as God sees can be like that because Satan is a liar. Jesus said to the Pharisees in John 8, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Obviously, they were trying to plot to kill Jesus. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan, our enemy, the devil, the deceiver, call him anything you want. He lies about everything. He will lie to you about who you are. He will lie to you about the way God sees you. He will lie to you about the possibility for you ever to be changed and transformed into the image of Christ because he is a liar by nature. Jesus said in John 8, to the Jews who have believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
If the truth is revealed in Jesus and it sets us free, the lies of the enemy then hold us captive. And what I want to do this morning is kind of uh, shed some light, uh, unveil the enemy's tactics, or at least some of his tactics uh, that are aimed at holding us captive with an eye on how to be free from those lies. So this is the, the enemy's plan, number one. Satan wants you to speak what is false. In other words, he wants you and I to lie. And honestly, he doesn't have to work that hard, right? I mean, I just read that study this week that said uh, the average person lies four times a day. And we start young, right? Um, if you've ever had a two-year-old, uh, a two-year-old can have a mouthful of cookies and go, no, I, I didn't eat any cookie. Nope, nope. I caught Jared when he was about two years old, kneeling down in front of the refrigerator crisper, shoving Reese's peanut butter cups into his mouth as fast as he could unwrap them. (laughs) It doesn't matter whether it's a cookie or a Reese's cup or exaggerating a story to relate to someone or cheating on a test, lying about where you were, Telling a half-truth, Satan's native language is lying, and he desires to get us to lie. I I wish I could sit here and tell you, you I don't struggle with that, but that would be a lie. I think, unfortunately, all of us have that weak spot, uh, a situation where we think we're not vulnerable to this, but we, we really are, and we're tempted to speak the enemy's native language, on an average of four times a day. So the question is, what what is it for you? Where where do you find yourself tempted to speak the enemy's native language? Because that's the first step in his plan. The second is this. The devil wants you to lie to yourself. The biggest lies are the ones that we tell ourselves. In fact, you can tell a lie so many times that you actually start to believe it. It could be the the negative self-talk that goes on in your head that leads to that emotional downward spiral. I'm not smart. I'm not pretty. I'll never get ahead. I'm always going to be lonely. Some people have convinced themselves that they believe the lie of the enemy so much that they think, you know what, I'm not worthy to be forgiven by God. And I'll tell you now, that's, that's a lie from the enemy because no one is worthy to be forgiven by God. Forgiveness can't be earned. That's the point of Jesus' coming. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But some people have believed the lie and told themselves for so long that God is wanting them to get it right before they'll find favor and the love of God. And it's a lie. I want to remind us of Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 this morning, because sometimes we just need to hear it. It says, for it is by grace You have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. 
not by works. Meaning you can't do enough to earn it and you can't do enough bad to disqualify you from it. It is a gift so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. His plan for you is good. Some people lie to themselves and say, you know what, what I'm doing just isn't that big of a deal. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to know. I'm not going to get caught. And if God wanted me really to stop, well, then he would have stopped me in some way. King David got himself twisted up in a bunch of lies like that in 2 Samuel 11. He should have been off to war with his army, but he was home, and he just happened, whoops, to find himself watching a beautiful woman bathe on the next rooftop, and he sent for her. Did he tell himself a lie that they were just going to talk? And he slept with her. Did he tell himself, we're just going to snuggle? Then he called her husband home from the front lies and tried to cover his tracks. And when that didn't work, King David, the man after God's own heart, had her husband abandoned on the front lines of battle. And he was killed. Did David lie to himself and tell himself that it needed to be done? For the sake of the unity of God's kingdom, it, it had to be done that way. You probably remember this story. Later, the prophet Nathan approached David and told him a story about a little lamb. And Nathan, the prophet, went right after the heart of this former shepherd now king. And the prophet said, a man had lots of sheep, but he stole, killed, and cooked a lamb that was more like a family member to someone else. And David was furious. He said, let me Adam, that guy deserves to die. He needs to pay for what he's done. And Nathan looked at David and said, Atta Ish, which means you are that man. This morning, if the Spirit is speaking to your heart, if you've been lying, maybe lying to yourself, don't ignore that warning in your soul. Because if you keep ignoring the lie, the warning, the bonds just keep getting tighter. It gets harder and harder to turn from the lies and embrace the truth and the freedom that Jesus paid the price for us to live in. Satan's plan is, number one, to get us to lie. The second is to get us to lie to ourselves. And the third is this. The enemy wants you to live the lie. Instead of owning it, he wants you to claim to be one thing and live another. And honestly, in some churches, there can be such an expectation 
to put on our good Christian happy faces and pretend like everything is just fine. We're supposed to be good Christians, so I'm not going to admit that I have issues. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you tried to be real, come clean, confess some sin, and some previous church like kicked you to the curb. Or maybe you come every week and pretend to be Mr. or Mrs. Good Christian. But you're living a lie and the chains just keep getting tighter. Maybe you're even going to a connect group pretending your your marriage is wonderful, but you go home and sleep in separate bedrooms and hardly even talk to one another. You might be battling a disease, putting on your happy face when you're here, but when you're all alone, you're just a wreck. If the Spirit is speaking to your heart this morning, atta-ish, don't ignore him. Sometimes it's okay to feel a little uncomfortable and a little vulnerable in the presence of God. Our enemy's game plan is to get us to tell lies, to lie to ourselves, and then to live a lie. And I think the biggest lie, the, the ultimate goal of the enemy is this, to have us believe we're following Jesus when we're not really following Jesus. Some people assume that just because their grandparents were Christians, they're Christians. Or just because they show up at church every couple of weeks, that they're Christians. But the word says, you will know a tree by its fruit. Some people that claim to be Christians don't look any different than anyone else in the world. It just shouldn't be. I want to be a church of people who long to be, to to really be living evidence of God's love. We need to bear fruit in keeping with the faith that we have. We need to know and live the truth. 1 John 2.4 says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. So if the enemy's plan is to get us to lie, lie to ourselves and then live that lie, what's God's plan for our freedom? It's a great question. Here it is. We confess to God to experience forgiveness. And we confess to people to experience healing. Those two things will keep you walking in the truth. I want to look at some scripture. The first passage is 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, that's that confessing to God, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When you and I confess our sins to God, he no longer holds those sins against us. It's like they are gone. Jesus paid the price for every sin that you and I have ever made. That's good news. Anybody want to say amen to that? Because that's good news. Amen. When, when we were little, I, I, the kids disobeyed Lisa, and uh, she was going to spank their bottoms. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to teach them this lesson about grace. And I went upstairs, and I told Lisa, I'll take their punishment. 
And you can hit me with the board of love, which we had at the time. And uh, to this day, she still regrets that she didn't hit me harder. Um, But the kids learned about the grace of God because Jesus took our punishment that we should have gotten. But I think we miss out on the healing God has made for us when we don't follow the second step, confessing sin to one another. It should happen among brothers and sisters in the Lord. It should happen in connect groups. It should happen at youth group as they're in their small group. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Confessing to one another is often where the power to leave that sin and that healing in our soul comes from. It's found in confession. When you confess your sins to a brother or a sister in the Lord, it's like throwing light on the enemy's plans. My prayer is that we are a church where God's forgiveness is offered and where people can be real so they experience the healing power of God through confession. Would you pray with me this morning? So, Father, today I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would unleash truth in our souls. Give us the courage to confess and admit when we've lied, where we've stumbled, where we've fallen, where we've, we've sinned and strayed from your truth. And God, we thank you that you will always forgive us, that in Christ, the debt of our sin has already been paid. But God, we also pray for the courage to confess to one another so that we can experience healing and freedom that your son also died for us to experience. We want to follow your plan, not the enemy's. And this morning, if you're here and you're thinking, you know what, (laughs) I have never confessed my sin to God and, and I I need his forgiveness. If you've never owned your own sinfulness before, I challenge you in your heart to confess it to God this morning. And I want you to know all you have to do is confess it to him. He hears us when we pray and he will speak to your heart, even through my words this morning, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. If you want to ask for his forgiveness this morning, there's a prayer on the screen. You can pray it with me if you would like. God, I confess to you that I have sinned. I've not always lived your word or your truth, but today I want to experience knowing that my sins are forgiven. I want your truth and your spirit to come into my life. Thank you for declaring me righteous, forgiven, saved. In Jesus' name, amen. As we keep praying this morning, some of you may have experienced 
the forgiveness of Jesus before, but you've gotten your life twisted up in some lie by not confessing to someone and experiencing that healing. And God wants you to experience freedom in those areas. And I'm going to just ask this morning that if you need to confess to some brother or sister that you would find that person, maybe someone's come to mind already. If you don't know anyone, there'll be people in the prayer room after the service that would love to just listen and pray God's healing upon you because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. If you're in a connect group, I challenge you this week to get real and pray for one another. That we could be a church that is living evidence of God's love and his healing power. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.